On today's episode of GM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, we will discuss the Gronk-Belichick relationship, Barkley possibly going to the New York Giants, and the end of the Color Rush jerseys. But we also want to remind you that we are part of the Ringer Podcast Network, where you can listen to an assortment of podcasts, including Shack House, which did several episodes last week from Augusta National. Um, we saw Joe House, we saw Jeff Shackelford, we saw Bill Simmons, we saw producer Kyle roam around the grounds in Augusta, Georgia. That was all good stuff. And, and uh, also be sure to check out TheRinger.com where you can read uh, a slew of new articles about uh, all the NBA stuff at the end of the season. Um, and now let's get on with our show. GM Street coming up now. Welcome to GM3, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. It is Wednesday, it is April 11th, and I am sitting across from Mr. Michael Lombardi. Lombardi, how you doing? I'm great, Tate Frazier. You know, did Joe House do a Waffle House? Uh, uh, did he, like, review that since he was at Augusta, and that's, like, you know, right there? Did yeah, they... I think he did. I think they went to a late-night Waffle House. Kyle got invited. He said it was a great moment for him to was go to it? Waffle House in Georgia, so that was good to see a guy from Poughkeepsie, New York, go down to Waffle House in the South, get some nice uh, fried food. I like food. that one, Waffle House. Yeah. You should. I mean, it's not a diner, but it is a diner. It's I mean, better it's... than Huddle House. Huddle House is not where you want to go. Waffle yeah. House is a little bit classier. Yeah, I think that might not be a bad idea. I, I, I could do that. I could. I, I don't know how long I could last, but I could do that. You could last. You could make it happen. You did all your, your southern trips back in the day to do all your recruiting oh, stops. I, I mean, I would hit, well, yeah, I would always hit a Waffle House. It's like, you know, anytime I could hit a diner, like my ideal life would be like have a home somewhere that you could have like a house and mm. behind the house, I always wanted to have a diner as like an office. Because I always like diners. I would like to do that, even though, you know, that may not happen. But that's always a good thought. Maybe I'll write it in a screenplay or something like there that. There you go. You diners, know. drive-ins, and dives with Michael yeah, Lombardi. Yeah, you know, but they don't do it. Like, to me, like, I love that show to start out with. But now, like, they go to uh, places that I wouldn't call diners. <laughs> you know, like, I don't understand it. Like, I'm a Jersey guy. There's got to be the right kind of diner, you know? Diners are expensive now. You can buy them online. They're expensive. Some old-fashioned diners are hard to buy. Anyway, I don't know why we're talking about diners. Go ahead. Because we're talking about all the all the recruits in the South, and that's going to lead us to a draft prospectus that we're going to do in a couple weeks. Uh, next week we will, we will be off. Uh, we will not be doing GM Street. I am and going. Why are we not? Why are we not working next week, Tate Frazier? I'm going to go on vacation. I'm going to go to Italy. Um, and well, you should. Yeah, and I'm going to enjoy that. Take a week off. Get my head right before we come back. And then we're going to do all of our draft breakdowns. We're going to do positional breakdowns. We're going to do a full. We, will we do a mock draft? We probably won't just because there's I mean, so we'll many still right talk now. About it, but yeah, I, we'll I, figure I it think out. you know my what, what the first time I ever went to Italy, and I think this is great that you're going to go over there and experience the the culture and the food and of course the wine mm-hmm. and, and the people. The people mostly. And the pasta mainly. Oh, the pasta. Yeah. You, you could even, mm-hmm. you could stop on one of those roadside uh, highways and like the pasta's good in there. But one, the, the one year I went, Millie and I went over there, I was on the Isle of, of Capri, which mm. is a beautiful place. It's off of the Amalfi Coast. It smells like basil. I mean, and the lemons just are incredibly smell. And it's where the Italians and the Europeans, a lot of Germans go there to vacation in the summertime. So I was over there in like in June, like maybe mid-June. Prime season. Prime season. And I'm going up this gondola to go up there to see the top of the mountain. And somebody in this group says... I heard the 76ers traded Barkley. I, I, I had like a I had like a nine alarm panic fire. attack. Yeah. Oh my god, I had a panic attack. So <laughs> now you know there's no cell phones. Mm-hmm. There's no. I mean, there's no way to get. So I'm you need calling, a newspaper or something. I like needed that. a newspaper. Yeah. I needed something. So I, I went into this hotel lobby in Capri. There was a payphone in there. I called Jimmy Sexton, who was a basketball agent too at the time. He's at CAA now, and I'm calling Sexton to find out what actually transpired in the. You know, it was, I was going crazy because you couldn't find it, and, and I was saying to. To Millie, I'm like, if if I could get the NFL games here on Sunday and read the USA Today, which I don't even read anymore, this would be the greatest place to live. 
It would have been. It would have been a great place to live. And now you're going to go experience it. You're going to come back with the same kind of feeling. Yeah. I'm, uh, and you're going to probably say, if I get NC2A basketball, some football, <laughs> you know, if I can, you know, I'm sure there's a Tar Heel Nation over there. Yeah, there's an Italian basketball league I can go watch and cover, and maybe I'll just do that from now. Maybe I'll just stay over there. I'll call in to GM Street. You there know, you we'll go. Do like it's some, not a bad idea. Some Skype. I we'll mean, do like I, a double screen. I think Max like Weinberg has moment. his villa up for sale over there. Oh, so really? Yeah, you might be able to buy that. Nice. I, I would like to do that. I would live there. There's no doubt. I would live there. I may stay there. We'll see what happens. But first, let's talk about a bunch of football stories that are going on. Uh, your two guys, we're talking about the New England Patriots right now. There's been a little bit of a rift that's been reported. There's always a rift. There's always the, a rift in New England, uh, right? There's always something going on. Have you there's ever always seen a team drama. win five Super Bowls, playing seven conference championship <laughs> games, and all of a sudden everybody's reporting how nobody's happy? Mm-hmm. That's how it goes. It's uh, the disease of more, as they say, or as Bill Simmons likes to say. So we got uh, Bill Belichick. We got Rob Gronkowski. Gronkowski, there's been some reports where he has felt, you know, uh, quote unquote, persecuted last year within the program of the Patriots. Now he's apparently uh, there's been some shots taken about his uh, his regiment buying into the TB12 method of training well, yeah. uh, by Alex Guerrero. And uh, all these reports keep coming out of camp. But as it stands right now, Rob Gronkowski is still in the Patriots and everything will be fine. And, and I sure. think they've mentioned that. I don't think they're going to trade him. I mean, first of all, Gronkowski's impossible to do a contract for, right? Mm-hmm. So he makes whatever he, you know, nine, ten million a year. As we said, he's not a tight end. He's, he's, a, not, he's a playmaker. He's a playmaker. Yeah. So, but last year when he came back and he was on the T, the TB12 program is a lot more stretching than it is. You know, Bill Parcells' thing was, you know, we're going to do power cleans, we're going to do bench press, we're going to do, you know, we're going to do deadlifts, we're going to do these five exercises, and that's what makes a football player. And so a lot of teams do that. And Guerrero's program is, and when I was there, he was really good at rehabbing injuries of guys, mm-hmm. and he did a great job. In terms of training players, it may work for Brady, but if you go back and watch Gronk in the beginning of the season, when he was trying to get away from Eric Berry in the Kansas City game, it really was, he had no power in his lower body. Now, I will say this. I think they had to change what he was doing. There's no doubt. He can't he has to lift weights. He's got to have more explosion because he looked like he was on the downside. Well, people say, well, maybe it's because of his back. No, I think it was because he wasn't lifting. But this whole report that Belichick chastised him in front of the team, you know, I've been around Bill long enough to know that if he has something to say to Tate Frazier, he's not going to do it in front of Michael Lombardi. He's going to call Tate Frazier in the room and then talk to him. He's not afraid of confrontation. Like he doesn't have to make his point. And I think to me, this is why I think the story gets blown out of proportion. And do you think there's any, you know, truth coming out of the Gronkowski camp? Because I mean, there has been, you know, some separate reports in the Boston Globe, aside from the dietary stuff with with the TB12 method. But there seems to be some sort of little frustration, whether it may be monetary or maybe Gronkowski wants more, you know, catches in the offense or something like that. There seems to be some leak stuff coming from his camp as well. Look, I think Gronk is 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 truly one of the top five players in the league mm-hmm. without a doubt and mm-hmm. so it's hard to always figure out a how to pay him you got to find ways to get on the ball he has not been durable let's be real honest here i mean he has not been durable and last year he was to a degree the beginning part of the season he missed that game with the suspension but i, th- I think he's got to have an off season where his lower body has the power in it look when football players lose their lower body we see it in basketball all the time you watch a basketball game guy can't really explode anymore mm-hmm. you know when a guy starts double pumping he, he lost his legs you know he's done Given the head or he gets out to the three-point line and starts shooting threes. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, and that you can see it in basketball easier. In football, you can't see it. But when a guy loses lower body power, all of a sudden that's it. And then you know you start to drop passes you shouldn't catch. Now Rob's not doing that, but he needs a good off season. That's how you avoid injuries. And I think this is why it's so important. And I just don't make any of the validity that Belichick's going to chastise somebody in front of other people. I mean, he is very clear about 
delivering his message to behind closed doors to the people he has to deliver to. And what he says in that room, he usually doesn't share with very many people. So you don't foresee this lingering into the season? This seems Look, like I, a- I think there's so much chaos around the Patriots right now that mm-hmm. people just dump it on them. I think it's easy to do, but I don't think it's always valid. And I'm not sure that it's going to be something that, you know, it's going to continue. Because one thing, when they get back to work, they go back to work. Let's talk about another team that has a superstar that they have to deal with and figure out what his future is, and that's the New York Giants. They have oh, OBJ. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, we're not even going to talk about o- he, OBJ specifically, but we will Ferris say. Ferris is there. Yeah, Ferris yeah. is out and about. Did uh, you send flowers this week? Oh, yeah. And then you saw the Ray Lewis thing. There's this whole conversation. I did not about, see all that. I didn't understand all this now. So so Ray Lewis had this whole conversation. We don't have to get into it, but basically was you know said OBJ did not have God in his life, and 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 he had gotten away from his guidance. Uh, OBJ you know was sort of like, I, I don't need, you know, I'm living my own life and then you know of course everyone picks sides and you know people are going back at Ray Lewis for some of his past uh you know <laughs> incidents to say the least so uh anyways OBJ right now still trying to figure out his contract situation the Giants are trying to figure out what they want to be as a team they have the number two pick there's been a lot of reports that they love Saquon Barkley Right. Um, and he may be one of those guys they take in the top five. Saquon said before he ran his 40, he wanted to run a 4-4 better, and that would get him in the top five. He runs a 4-4-0 flat, and now he looks like a top five guy. Um, but besides Barkley, we have you know Bradley Chubb is now in the mix. They said they were extremely impressed with Bradley Chubb, and then we have the whole Sam Darnold uh, infatuation there. So the Giants have a big decision to make at that number two pick. You know, I think this, I think Gettleman probably has to say to himself, last year I, I blew it with McCaffrey. He's got to mm-hmm. be honest. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. and, and I hate to say this to you as a Carolina Panther, fan but I mean he has to realize that he misjudged that kid's ability to pass protect and what people don't understand in in and run between the tackles and run between the tackles mm-hmm. but more than that Tate Frazier I think what, what you have to do when you're evaluating running backs is the order of the evaluation of running backs is completely different than what the fans order of evaluation of running back fans look at the runner they look at the catcher and then that's really about it right if you want to evaluate running backs that play well in the league, you have to start with blocking, pass protection, catching, then running. Mm-hmm. And I think that McCaffrey, when you see him, he couldn't, he can't pass protect. He's going to end up being a slot receiver. If he's in the backfield, people are going to keep attacking him. We talked about this all year. So Gettleman's sitting there. Does he want to use a second-round pick on a running back for a five-year contract, or does he want to use it for a defensive lineman and go down the safe way and, and take that and take Chubb? Or does he take Sam Darnold if, if the Browns take Josh Allen? I think his decision comes down to Chubb or Allen. Uh, Chubb or Darnold. I think that's really what he has to come down to. I think he's got to let the running back go and feel like, look, I have so many holes to plug on this team that the last thing I need to do is to fight, is to pl- I need a defensive lineman who can dominate the game. I put Olivier Vernon on one side and I put Bradley Chubb on the other side. I got a pretty good defense now. And that's sort of the mo of Gettleman has always been. He he's always sort of leaned on offensive or defensive linemen. Right. You know that's sort but of that's what shocked me. But yeah. but look at his drafts in in Carolina. It takes mm-hmm. Benjamin in the first round. Mm-hmm. You know he takes he takes I'm like you. I think he's in this George Young, you know, philosophy of, t- of of how to draft, size, speed. Now, Benjamin's a size, speed guy. McCaffrey's not a size, speed guy. You know, he's a littler guy. So, like, for me... You know, there was a lot, also a lot of circumstantial pressure for for him to make that McCaffrey pick. There was a lot of people in the city, I think, that wanted to bring McCaffrey to. But Charlotte. you start listening to the city, you're going to be, you know, well, you're and, in, and now he's out. You're not going to be doing very well. Yeah, I mean, exactly. let's face it. I mean, look, you got to. To me, the Giants could go, could pick an offensive lineman if they thought one was worthy of that pick. Mm-hmm. You know, they could pick a, a defensive lineman if they thought one was worthy of that pick. They got the Giants have to get back to their roots, and and I think to me. What I've noticed about the Giants, the, the the narrative that's come out of there lately has been more in terms of 
we need a quarterback for the future, and if Darnold's there, we're going to pick him. And I think if they like him, the Giants do a lot of psychological testing. They have it within their own department. So they're going to really spend a lot of time on these kids in, in – the, with their own psychological analyzation in terms of how they break down the player's mental side, right? Some teams use Bob Troutwine. We did in Cleveland. We also did in New England when I was there. We started with them in Cleveland, which we break down the players in certain areas. And, and Bob does a great job in that. Now, he's not always right, but he kind of gives you the inner side to the player, which you really have to have. Mm-hmm. And I think this is why quarterbacks are so misevaluated because if you don't really understand the depth of who you're dealing with, it's hard to, you can go watch the tape and think I can fix that or I can fix that. But if you don't really understand a person, it's hard to fix it. And if you take the risk of taking a guy like a Sam Darnold number two, if you're the New York Giants, that makes a statement. And there's a ripple effect to that where we're moving on to a new, you know, we're rebuilding basically. We're going to have a guy, whether, you know, we have Eli next year or whatever it may mean or OBJ or whoever, if they bring that offense back, if you take Darnold, it just sends a message. But if you take Chubb, you're replacing Jason Pierre-Paul, a guy that's been there right. for a long time, and you get this pass rusher, and it sort of goes back. We said the Giants are still going to do it how they've been doing it, which is, you know, you can take that for what it is. But if they do draft a defensive lineman and a Lawrence Taylor, you know, take them that early in the draft, it sort of goes back to their MO as a franchise. Right. Uh, you, it fits more what they're doing. Mm-hmm. It d- wouldn't fit for them to take a running back that high. I mean, because the, for them in their grading system, they would have to grade Barkley in, in a really high level. Chubb, I think, is easy to grade that. It's like when I when I watch people say, well, Baker Mayfield is going to go. I read some service that a Baker Mayfield is a top player in the draft. Well, you know, they could, they might have on that, but most teams that have a grading system with the size speed charts aren't going to have that. So it's going to be completely different. I think the Giants would be smart. Again, I think if they like Darnold and they thought they could get Darnold, they could take him. Do I think they would flip with Cleveland to try to do that? No. I think they'll sit there and take the best player. Cleveland, whether they take Allen or Darnold, I think, as you said— Or he, Barkley. I've seen some boards that have Barkley at number well, one. Yeah. I mean, to me, Huey Headline really throws this whole thing into the— Because <laughs> he does love running backs. We know Huey loves running backs. He loves everybody. <laughs> I mean, he lo- like, can you imagine if <laughs> Look you're— Look at John, his headlines. If you're a, could you imagine John Dorsey's in a meeting with Huey Headline going mm. over the quarterbacks after Huey wanted— He's just tweeting out who he likes. Well, hey, Huey, let's go through. He's just traded Kevin Hogan away, yes. right? He traded Kessler, who Huey Headline said was one of the great quarterbacks <laughs> yep, of Cody, all time, right? Yep, Cody Kessler. Cody Kessler. He traded him away, right? Huey Headline wanted A.J. McCarron. Mm-hmm. Right? Florida with him in Florida front of everybody. Him, in front of God and everybody yep. at the Bengal game. And they didn't even make him an offer. They mm-hmm. weren't even interested in him, right? Mm-hmm. And so now Huey, a smoke screen. That's a smart play by Huey. Huey he's so great. <laughs> he's so smart. Huey, maybe that's why Paul Ryan resigned today. He couldn't get Huey to run his campaign. Huh? <laughs> he's waiting you think for there's him. any back there? He's waiting for that callback. The Haslam family always has his back, of course. Yeah. I in mean, every decision. So like if I'm like going back to John Dorsey, like you're sitting there with Huey headline, you got Huey, you got Todd Haley, and you're trying to figure out what quarterback fits into this mix. I think it's a tough, tough thing. And then, you know, the Giants are gonna sit there and just Basically, take whichever. Yeah, it's kind of nice. They, they It sort of falls in their lap. So if they take Chubb, number one, then we have Sam Darnold there. If they take Barkley, number one, then we can choose. Do we want to get a quarterback? Do we want to take a defensive end? It's going to be one one option of those three guys, most likely. So uh, it's a good fit to for To me, Giants. though, if the Browns like Allen or if they like Allen or Donald or Rosen, if they like mm-hmm. any one of those three, then they should take Chubb at one and take whichever quarterback's left. Yep. At four. Because then you get Garrett and Chubb on both sides. Then you, and you get have both a JJ Watch, right. David, which situation. we talked about on another podcast. I yep. mean, to me, but they're never going to do it. They're going to take the quarterback and then they're going to take probably Barkley at four because Huey probably will be beaten down the door. Uh, Huey, have right. We have Huey headline and Huey in the news, so we have either one we can use. Uh, 
Next Huey up. in the News. Yeah, I know. We can do a both. band? Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. We can do both. Uh, RG3. They used to play all the time. When I looked at the 49ers, <laughs> seriously, they were like Montana and Huey were best. They were best buddies. Him, Dwight Clark, they used to play. I think we need some more Montana stories. We'll bring that. We'll call those up eventually. Uh, let's talk about another quarterback that a lot of people used to love, or maybe still do love. RG three, uh, a guy that was taken obviously number two overall, and now signs with the Baltimore Ravens to be the backup for the great Joe Flacco. I think this is really this is one of the most interesting moves in the offseason. I think this tells us a lot of what's going on internally inside the, the Ravens. Mm-hmm. I, I tweeted out a picture. I saw Ozzy was at Augusta uh, this week. He, a lot of people at Augusta. Everybody's down I, there. I, I mean, I saw Ozzy on the screen. He was peeking over the top, and and I and like and. I, and I'm like, was that I, Matthew, my son, and Mickey, my son? We mm-hmm. were doing like a, a, a father-son chat on the Masters since we always watch it together, but we couldn't this year because we're all in different spots. So I'm like, was that Ozzy Newsome there? And then Matt sends me the picture. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, and so, yeah. and so like Ozzy's the you know sitting there. The great Eric DaCosta, mm. who has tremendous PR campaign. Nobody <laughs> has a better PR campaign than Eric DaCosta. Mm-hmm. Trust me. And so uh, anyway, so he's he's there making the pick. To me. RG3 is the perfect guy. If you're thinking about Lamar Jackson, RG3 is the perfect guy to have as your backup quarterback. Not that I think he's going to be an influence on a Lamar, but what you want to be able to do is not have to change offenses from one guy to the other. And if you're Ozzy or you're the great Eric DaCosta and you're thinking about this is the time to turn over the franchise, I think to me, you know, they're going to draft a quarterback. Will it be Lamar Jackson? It could be. And at that point, why wouldn't you just get rid of Flacco and eat the cap money? And start RG3? Well, no, start Lamar Jackson. Start, start Lamar day one and then start, have, yeah. Yeah, I mean, rebuild the team. Okay. I mean, now you know you know that's not going to happen because I, I tweeted this about a month ago. Like, basically what the Ravens did to John Harbaugh is they took three billboards out and said, you must make the playoffs or you're fired, right? Mm-hmm. So we know this going in. So that's not going to happen. So Flacco's got one more year. But I would think that they would position themselves that if Flacco either makes the run or they have a quarterback behind him. And that's why I thought the RG3 signing was really interesting because I think there's more to, there's another move that goes into the layer of this move. I really think there's some moves that teams make that give away what they're thinking about that they don't really give it away. Like, why would you sign RG3 now if you're thinking about drafting a quarterback? Well, you're thinking about drafting a quarterback, so you want to make sure you have them because if you draft one, it's hard to go to RG3 and say, hey, come sign with us, right? Because he's, well, you just drafted a quarterback. I'm not going to play. But when you sign him before the draft, then he can't really say anything to you. Well, you know, you're, you're here, you compete, right? So it's like the positioning of the signing I thought was interesting. And if you're Lamar, I mean, a lot of people I've seen, like the, the Jaguars have been thrown out, you know, for Lamar Jackson. A lot of these teams. They're he- low though, right? I mean, like the Patriots are 23. They, they've had a private workout with Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Okay. We know the, the Saints have had a private workout. Everybody's had a private. Like Lamar mm-hmm. Jackson's one of those guys that's laying below the, 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 the line. Nobody thinks he's out there. But the reality of it is, is everybody's interested in the guy. And there's a lot of people that have sort of you know misinterpreted, misevaluated the fact that Lamar Jackson has the ability to play in a pro style system as soon as he does come in. He doesn't have to necessarily have an offense catered to him. That's why the RG three thing you were just mentioning. It's like RG three actually is the perfect backup for him because he is a pro style guy that has that athleticism. To right, match. and that's what he did. At the thing now, Huey Headline had him in Cleveland, said he was going to make him a West Coast offense quarterback, which mm-hmm. we turned out he couldn't do. That's another one Huey couldn't get right there either. So you know when you start thinking about it. You know, it's the perfect guy to have in there. They get him at a cheap contract. He can turn his career around. 
I, I think it makes sense. I, I think what makes more sense is if the Ravens draft a quarterback. Now, I'm sure John Harbaugh's sitting there saying, like, this really doesn't make those three billboards they just posted, you know, outside of Baltimore going to Especially help. if the Ravens fans are clamoring for him to play the rookie and you have to deal with exactly. that whole battle of, yeah. like, do I keep Flacco, you know? So, like, but if they don't get one now, when are they going to get one? Mm-hmm. You know, then, you know, they got to do something with this contract. And so if you draft one, so maybe you draft one and you go to Flacco and say, look, we got to have some kind of reduction. You know, it's going to cost, if they post June 1, it'll cost them 12 million. They'll pick up 12 and a half million of cap room. It'll cost them 12 million of, so, and eventually they get away from the contract. And what's the trade value, though? What if they decide the they want to put Flacco have, on the market and they want have, to send him to Jacksonville or they want to send him to Arizona or You could have like some. That. He would have trade value. Mm-hmm. I, I think, to me, I think there's a lot more moves than just this, hey, we're picking. I think that teams are sitting there now because we're in, you know, right now we're in two seasons. We're in lying season, which is most of these teams are lying to us about well, who they like, and everybody's taking, well, well, they worked out this player, which means they're interested in them. No, they just worked them out. That doesn't necessarily mean that they've concluded – that they like them. Everybody says, well, they went to work them out. Well, yeah, you go to work them out to find out information. They didn't tell you they liked them. They just went to work them out. Mm-hmm. You see, and we right ahead jumped to the conclusion, oh, well, they must like them. Yeah, that's just, uh, it's interesting It's, it's stuff. a lot it, of lying going on. And yeah. the other other part of this season is is how to manage your team. So you're sitting there trying to figure out, okay, if we draft this guy, this makes this guy available, and maybe I can have more assets. And you're trying to – it's really a draft management question, just like the question for the, for the, the Browns are – if we take a quarterback at one, who's the best player left for us at four? If we took a player at four, who's the best quarterback at four? You got to play all those things out in your mind and you got to lay it out. Like people say, well, don't draft a running back in the top 10. Well, you got your draft management situation you got to look at and say, well, what back would be there from 35 to 40 that I could get if I don't get this guy? If it's like a Darius Geis or someone like that from LSU. You, you got to play yeah. it as if you were playing a pool game and you were going to make this shot. Into the, you know, say you're going to hit the eight, the, the nine ball into the corner pocket, but you got to bring the white ball back to where you want to hit the three. That's what teams are working on now. If I get to here, I do that. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what the Patriots are working on. Hey, we're sitting here. This is what we're we three can... shots ahead of where we are right now. Right. Yeah. And that's the only, and that's you prepare for that now, not when you're sitting there on the clock. Let's talk about a guy that's trying to prepare for his future and figure out his contract situation. That's Khalil Mack, obviously, you know, the face of the defense for the Oakland Raiders. He might be the youngest guy on the team by now. The time Johnny Gruden's done with that team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's going to be uh, the youth movement. Uh, he's looking for $65 million guaranteed in his contract. Um, he's obviously saying that he is the face of uh, the pass rushing system there with the Raiders. Well, Gruden um, got $100 million guaranteed. <laughs> yeah, so, so maybe Gruden can give him some, you know, maybe yeah. pass him over. Gruden got $100 million guaranteed. Look, I, you know, I mean... The, the key thing is, is they're hard to find. I mean, let's face mm-hmm. it, you can't, you can't replace the, the one thing we've learned about the cap. There's not enough good players to pay. So they're going to have to pay the guy and they've got, you know, they're going to have to figure out a way to maneuver their cap around and they, they need to do things to help this. You know what I find fascinating about the Raiders is the Marquette, Marquette King thing. Mm-hmm. Like you see the Bruce Irvin commentary going on about him, how Bruce Irvin's like. And ap- apparently, this came from uh, a Pro Bowl situation where he took a picture with Aqib Talib, and they were making fun of Michael Crabtree because he like grabbed his chain or something like that. And apparently, that split the split the locker room there with the Raiders last year. That's apparently what, what the rumor is. That's why that's just, why he's all upset at. at but then they just the cut. I mean, that's like one of the best punters in football, uh-huh. right? Am I missing something here? Well, now he's going down to the he's Broncos. In yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I mean, is which is the whole point because he was with Talib doing that, so they were upset. It was like an AF 
AFC West kind of but rivalry. But not in Denver anymore. No, of course the leave is down the NFC. I mean, this West. guy's going to boom balls from here to. I mean, could you imagine this guy up in? in yeah, Maha? he's got a lot of character, and apparently uh, they were saying that uh, who was it? Cor- Cordero Patterson went on the radio and said that he was a problem in the locker room last year because of this situation. That he was a little bit of a diva, quote unquote. Well, it has to be right because mm-hmm. there's no way. Look, it's hard for the punter to be a diva. That's, That's really tough, hard. you That's know. Hard. If Johnny Hecker's over there, at, you know, acting like an asshole, we're yeah, yeah, he's probably like going to get kicked out the punter, right? But I mean, like to me, that's why I thought the the Irvin thing, and I think the Khalil Mack thing. I think uh-huh. there's a lot more going on in that locker room that that love you, bro, is going to have to handle. John, you know, he loves you. Did I ever tell you that? Yeah. He, he loves, loves everybody. He loves everybody. Just like Huey. Just like Huey loves everybody too. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. That's what you want. Someone that loves everybody. Love you, ELE. Everybody love everybody. Love you, bro. Yep. Love you, good. bro. Uh, let's talk about another situation going on in the NFL uh, with Thursday Night Football. Um, it is the end of an era. The color Did you rush. like the color rush? <laughs> I enjoyed laughing at the idea that that would draw more uh, attention to the NFL. But the color rush jerseys, are they're going away. Did um, you see anybody bike? Did you like walk down a street and see a color rush jersey because people saw it on television? I think that was more of a, you know, um, if I saw it, I thought that person worked for the NFL or was like one of those models, you know, that they take the pictures with and the jerseys and, and send out on promo cards and stuff. Like, I just never I've never seen a normal person in a color rush Like It was really kind of offensive. Like the color, the TV like was like, <laughs> was you know blinding, me, right? like, yeah. yeah, like you know me, like I, mm-hmm. I like traditional uniforms. Like I just, like really, they were going to, you're a millennial, so you have to tell me. You have well, to give I think me the that's what they were, they, they thought that we were so cheap that, you know, they, they try to take the Oregon model of, uh, oh, these kids like flashy uniforms, let's give them some flash and then they just, you know, threw a whole, you know, line of painted colored weird uniforms in our face. It was very strange. Really bad. Yeah, I, hope they do, I don't do, think it really hit with the market. I think they. I hope they do get away with it. I mean, because I mean, it, to me, it really wasn't good on the television. It made it <laughs> no. made the game seems like Thursday night football is just tough. You know, after after a Sunday, getting all those guys out to play Thursday night football, we know yeah, it it's is tough. It's it, very tough. It's going to be hard. And then if you give them new uniforms, that's but now to Fox them. has the games. They're going to want really good. They they paid a ton of money. They're going to want good games. So, you know, I, I don't know if you could. It's hard to do those Thursday night games. I mean, some hopefully as they get going, they can do some of them with teams off a of bye. So mm-hmm. you play, you know, and then you have a Thursday. So that, you know, that's, that's what they've tried to stagger that out, but it hasn't quite worked out. It's hard to do for 32 teams. It's mm-hmm. really hard to do. But I mean, I'm glad you're they're playing getting, favorites. I'm glad they're getting upset. rid of it. Yeah, I'm glad they're getting rid of it. Have uh, you studied all these quarterbacks yet? What do you mean in the draft? Yeah, you, yeah. I mean, a little who's bit. Your I mean, favorite? Not, not like you. I'm not watching tape in my free time. <laughs> I wish I was. I want to be. Maybe one day. I need to get the tape. They need to send me the tape, Lombardi, and then well, I can do that. Well, you know, YouTube's always good. Yeah, you that's can true. Always, I mean, YouTube yeah, I watch the games. I don't. I don't have the you know the practice tape of Mason Rudolph, but I do like Rudolph a lot. Do you really? Yeah, but I know. I know the big thing is we we can't like Big Twelve quarterbacks anymore. That's what um, makes me. It's fascinating. Like yeah. Baker Mayfield is on some people's the number one player in the country. Like, and I just don't understand how you can take that and make it that because the Big Twelve is a pillow fight. I mean, let's be real honest. Yeah. That's why I, my my eyes have deceived me before. You know, I thought Whedon may come in at one point and at least do some some proper things. Just because I like you baseball. liked Whedon? I like baseball players that play quarterback. I just like arms. Like Rudolph, he's got a cannon. He's got I an thought, arm. You know, one thing I think about quarterbacks, there's an instinct they have, and it's a, it's an anticipatory it's an anticipation of a throw that they have to make, mm-hmm. and they they can't throw the ball when the guy is out of, you're thrown to a spot right and yeah. a lot of these guys in this oklahoma state this oklahoma offense is there's really it's pretty easy they it's throw, free access as you like it's to free say. access it's open so mm-hmm. like i watch rudolph uh is it randolph or rudolph Ra- rudolph yeah, it's yeah. rudolph okay i watch rudolph and when the game speeds up i don't think he speeds up mm-hmm. and i think it's harder for him and I think he has a hard time doing it. Just like I think when Mayfield has to play against Georgia, 
Like, I really think if you like Mayfield, you got to sit down and watch that Georgia tape and really say... Watch Lorenzo Carter go against him, because that's that's every single DN in the NFL. That's right. Watch Smith. Watch mm-hmm. all those... Roquan, watch the yep. speed of that defense. Roquan Smith's one of the best players in the draft, by the way. Uh, yeah, I think he's got to be a top he's 10 pick. We're going to talk about him a lot. He's one of the best players yep. in the draft. I mean, like, mm-hmm. how he's not Instinct. in the top five conversation, I have no idea. I love it. It's good. It's you good know, for those like, teams have, have the 8-9 pick. Yeah. Like, how is he going to be the 8-9? Like, you can't find a draft where he's the 8-9 player. Like, mm-hmm. you're going to take a running back over this guy? You're going to take Josh Josh Allen over this guy? You know, yesterday I did a <laughs> bunch of videos here for the Ringer, and they like the, the the Josh Allen conversation is like hugely split. Like, there's people violently against Josh Allen. Now mm-hmm. I know he won Mr. Congeniality at the combine, right? <laughs> yep. Everybody loves. Everyone him. loves him, and he had that nice forty time. He had like had the third fastest Everybody 40. Everybody loves yeah. him, of course. You know, and it's, <laughs> but like we think we can fix accuracy. Mm. Like I keep it's like at- a jump shot. It's like we think you can fix a jump shot. It yeah. is what it is. It they is are who they are. They are who they are. And I just think to me, like there's you know Josh Allen is gonna have to prove that he can be make plays when the game speeds up. And I know he went to the Senior Bowl and had a great Senior Bowl, but to me that would scare me. He would scare me. Yeah, we're gonna take a quick break to get a word from uh, our friend JJ Reddick about his podcast. We're gonna come back and do some quick stories. This is JJ Reddick here to talk to you about the JJ Reddick podcast, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Currently, I play in the NBA for the Philadelphia 76ers, but you may know me from my previous teams, the LA Clippers, Milwaukee Bucks, and the Orlando Magic, or from my college days at Duke University. Being a professional basketball player, I have a great opportunity to talk to a lot of interesting people, and the podcast is a place where I can share those conversations with you, the listener. On my show, I sit down with athletes, celebrities, and a variety of other special guests. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the JJ Reddick podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. And we're back. Uh, we're going to do word on the street, just stories that are, are floating around in the world. Uh, first up, New England Patriots owner, owner uh, Robert Kraft, who we brought up earlier. Uh, he is on a campaign right now. Um, he is trying to defend the rapper Meek Mill, which I first have to ask he you. He went to well, visit him, right? Yeah, yeah. He went like, to, I've never heard one of this guy's songs. So <laughs> you never scared. heard it? No. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you what your favorite Meek Mill song is. <laughs> I don't have one. I don't know. I'll I put actually, it on my Spotify. I have no idea. I'll, I'll send you some songs. I, I figured out this year that Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski, um, as you know, the Duke basketball coach, his favorite song One of is, your personal favorites. Yeah, yeah. Meek Mill, Ready or Not, is what he listens to before games. Really? Which is... Uh, one of the funniest things. If I could ever picture something, you know, I, you know, I can't I, picture Mike. Coach, no, not Coach at all. K listening not at all. To Harry rap. Giles told me that. that was Although his I will song. say this though, if if you you know you're going over on this long flight from, uh-huh. or you fly, how are you going from here? I'm fl- flying from here to uh, to Germany and then Germany. Yeah. Oh, okay. Florence. So yep. that's a really long flight. So yeah, it's like 14 hours. Y- you like should download the Jay Z David Letterman interview. Oh yeah, yeah, from Netflix. You should definitely. I, do I watched that. like five minutes of it. I didn't. I didn't get through it. it. No, it's outstanding, and, and you learn a lot. I mean, I think Jay Z is one of the most fascinating people of Sean all time. Sean Carter, the man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think he's incredibly interesting. I think he's kind of insightful, and I'm, you know, and so I think that, like, to me, it gives me a perspective of rap that was different than any. I really ever thought so mm-hmm. but I don't, how does Kraft get in this guy's world so ba- basically Robert Kraft said uh, he's an amazing young man uh, he learned about Meek Mill through some of the players uh, he said it's really bad I know some of our players in the NFL have talked about this I see it firsthand it's just wrong and for those that don't know Meek Mill uh, November, November 2017 uh, he violated his probation for uh, failing a drug test uh, and traveling out of the region he's you know in Philadelphia um, so now he's got sentenced two to four years in prison so Robert Kraft is just speaking out but I, I it was more about the the headline itself, I never thought I would see Robert Kraft speaks and, out and for Meek Mill. Mill. Yeah, it's I, good. It's bringing everyone together, you know, because that's a very polarizing topic. I think uh, that's good. Yeah, you know, no, it's good I, for I Robert think, Kraft. I mean, but what did he do that 
what was his crime that got him in prison and then he came it, out it, it was a it was a lot of like overtime like more violations on probations and the original crime was like a battery charge a long time ago mm. and it's just a, a compounding effect you know once you get institutionalized you continue to, to filtrate through the system so i think that's what uh robert Kraft was standing up for wow good for robert Kraft. i know another weird story or another interesting story as far as uh things you never thought you would see in the nfl world aaron Rodgers gives the dalai lama <laughs> Some Packers swag. Uh, That's very great. nice. You think he'll wear it? I, I just, I don't even know. That, that Those are the was two strangest headlines Was I think he I've with ever Dana seen. Patrick over there? Yeah, maybe. I, I, would, I don't know what he's doing, but apparently the Dalai Lama is now going to support the Packers. Um, no Jordy Nelson, but they do have the Dalai Lama. Right. So and they good. have the new rule where, you know, you know, the Des catch is now a catch. So uh, they can't take that game back, even though it's the, the rules have changed, right? Yeah. So they can, I mean, maybe, maybe they can go back. And in Rodgers' mind, he can say that. This could be an interesting year because I think the one thing about the Packers, where they are in terms of what their offseason has been, compared to where the Vikings are. The Vikings are the lead dog, right? So they mm-hmm. got Cousins, and they've improved. they got Sheldon Richardson. It's going to be interesting to see how the Packers kind of catch that, knowing they have their best player back. And I will say this. I, I follow Stephon Diggs, you know, and all the social media stuff, and he he was working out the other night. It was about 6 o'clock dusk and wherever they were, and it was Kirk Cousins throwing balls to Thielen and Diggs, and all those re- receivers in Minnesota were all hanging out with each other. And I, I, th- I thought that That's was pretty com- interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's good camaraderie. I was yeah, like, yeah, this, really is, this is a good sign if you're a Vikings fan. These guys are trying to run it back and do something in the NFC. Uh, another story that popped out, uh, Richie Incognito says that he is going to retire from the NFL and from professional football due to stress um it's the first time i've I've seen this yeah i mean maybe he can get to go see dr melfi or something i yeah. mean that's it's i've never go heard see of dr that. drew get back in the tv world there dr. you go dr drew's right down the street here he's absolutely yeah, yeah, dr <laughs> phil too any doctor <laughs> you go talk to yeah dr oz whatever doctor it'll be i mean like i don't think buffalo expected it. i know i thought they just redid his deal in terms mm-hmm. of they guaranteed and he had a good season last year and a lot of people really were good. excited you know, about he's it, talking you know. about going to the hall of fame mm-hmm. you know so that's kind of a surprising move he quit Jonathan Martin got into trouble. Remember the Jonathan Martin and him were all in the same thing, and that's yeah. kind of had the fall out of Miami. That was a Miami. very dark story that with was Jonathan a very dark Martin. Story. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and so it's interesting that all this is coming. But Buffalo, see, that's the other team I think that's going to be fascinating in the draft is Buffalo is really what their true intentions are and where they're going and how they're going to handle this because they've got A.J. McCarron, and where are they going with the quarterback and what splash do they want to make? I mean, they didn't collect all these assets to just sit back and watch. And they know the Patriots are 23, so they know they got to make sure – and you as a general manager, you got to make sure you know and you're in constant contact with all the teams because all it takes is one team that you don't really deal with that they can slip ahead of you and you lose your guy. That's what I think makes this draft so fascinating is because the quarterbacks are over-evaluated and some of these teams that don't need quarterbacks are going to get like a Rokon Smith at 7 or 8 and they're going to be like, oh my God, this is the greatest player we ever got. And then we're going to look back on this draft and say, wait, hold on, time out. They just got a really good player. Why? Mm-hmm. See, one of the things we don't do a good job of is evaluating the draft as an entirety. Bill Walsh used to hate this statement. Scouts would always say, it's a bad draft, right? Mm-hmm. And Walsh would go crazy. Uh, you know, We only need 12 players. Like It doesn't have to be a bad draft. But to a degree, in fairness to the scouts, there are some drafts that are really just not very good. Like There's just not a lot of good players. Now, we're over-evaluating the quarterbacks in this draft because, as we talked about last week, 12 It's been a drought of quarterbacks. There's 12 teams need quarterback, and that doesn't count Jacksonville, doesn't count Cincinnati. So mm-hmm. that's 12 teams plus two that really do. So there's such a desperate need for quarterbacks. So they're naturally going to be over-evaluated and they're going to be over overvalued. And I, I think that this draft has got some really good players in it and it's going to move them down because of the quarterbacks and because of all the teams that need it. And if you're Chris Ballard and you – I know Andrew Lux hasn't thrown a ball yet. I get that. I want to talk about this 
press conference. Did you see the Andrew Luck press uh-huh. conference? Yeah. Did you see his conversation? I mean, he yeah. was very. I mean, he's he still quoted do- Shakespeare. He, yeah, he's I still doing it. the very the, the the situation where you know he's like, I'm not gonna say where I'm at. It's a it's a private situation. I'm going to work on this on my own. I won't even tell you. Do if you I've automatically thrown a go into the Andrew Luck impersonation since you've heard Bill Simmons do it? So oh, much I can't. Time. I can't do it. I, I wish I could. I just I, I watched this whole press conference. I've never seen someone sidestep every single question. And he's brilliant. He is amazing. He's I, good. I, I, like, this this guy should be our president. This he guy, he can't, he's smart he, enough. He's reading Shakespeare, obviously. And, and every single time they try to corner me, just start laughing, which makes everyone in the room feel light, even though it was a serious question of like, have you thrown a football in a year and a half? And he's like, oh, well, you know. Well, I, I, I think this, here's what I think. They were very, it was genius. They were very honest and open with the people they interviewed for their head coaching job about where luck was. Mm-hmm. And nobody seemed to think it was going to be that much of a – a hurdle. A hurdle. Yeah. It's going to be a hurdle, but it wasn't going to be an insurmountable holder. And the fact that he's not throwing yet, does that worry you? I mean, look, nobody really knows where Peyton Manning was with his neck. I mean, I was told early in the process when he was down at Duke throwing mm-hmm. uh, with Cutcliffe, yeah, he could barely throw five yards. Yeah, yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's what. There were people there that saw that and, and, and thought like, they were well, very concerned. So, yeah. like, I think we need to temper this what he said, and I'm sure he's probably not telling the whole truth. You know, as we talked about before, there's a bunch of levels of truth. He did have one little slip where he said that he was working on a regiment and he came back too fast, and that was a mistake. So now he wants to save himself so he doesn't rush back too quickly. Right. So there could be something that happens between his last game and that January. 2016 where he was rehabbing kind of got a little you know too trigger happy came back a little quickly and now he's really trying to wait until he's 100 percent right. ready and i would say to fans all the time like watch a team's actions don't watch what they say and luck says this but indianapolis moved from three to six mm-hmm. if they were worried about luck's long-term success they'd be talking to darnold they'd, they'd bring those guys around right yeah. They'd have to show their hand. At some point, you got to show your hand. At some point, as Al Davis used to say to me all the time, hey, kid, you're going to have to play in the game. And, and who's to say this wasn't the, a, a great decision with the Colts? I mean, we saw the Spurs do this before where you just say, hey, we don't have our guy. Let's just sit down and we'll get a nice draft pick. We'll bring in an asset to exactly. our team. And, exactly. and now we're moving forward. They're, exactly. I mean, that's how they get Tim Duncan. Yep. I mean, let's race it. Yep. So, you know, so I, I think you got to watch what their actions are. And their actions don't indicate they're panicking or worried about this. Mm-hmm. Like they feel like he's going to come back. Now, even him in the press conference, I, I know he's talking about him sidestepping questions. It wasn't like a concern or an anxiety about him doing that. It was just for whatever reason, they're, they're trying to contain this whole situation just to, I mean, I think it's honestly to keep people on the outside to have no idea what's going on, keep them on their toes. I think that's what you want to do. I yep. mean, unlike, unlike Huey Headlines, you don't want to tell everybody what we're doing. <laughs> Speaking of people telling everybody what they're doing, Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys have put it out to the world that Des Bryant will come in for a meeting on Friday. They're trying to figure out his situation. There was another report earlier in the week that said Des Bryant is adding more tricks uh, to his game, uh, more tricks got up his some, sleeve. Like, he's got this guy, this route expert. I read this today yes. in the Dallas Morning yes, News or that, somewhere. That, that is the story. Like, who is this guy? Like, I want to be a route <laughs> he's the, expert. He's the George Whitfield of route experts. Like, I want to be that. Like, <laughs> me too. Don Henley's song, uh, expert. I like, can sketch so some true. route trees. Like, look. And then I read the thing. Well, he's bad at the top of the route. Well, just watch the tape. He's horrible at the top of the route. I've been talking about it for two years. Like, and, and where's the clapper in all this? Isn't he supposed to be some quarterback guru? He's Isn't he supposed somewhere. to be some like? And the thing I find interesting is Jerry has waited so long to do this, mm-hmm. to go in and have a contract that he's lost all the. So say Des agrees to take a pay cut. Yep. Right. Well, the cap room that he's getting, maybe he's going to use it for DeMarcus Lawrence. I don't know. But he lost the the time. The time to do this meeting was before free agency started. 
so that you either you have leverage. Either you take this deal, or I'm going to sign this player. Cameron for Meredith, that, or something whatever. Like that. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to sign this player for that player. But to do it now, Des has all the leverage. Mm-hmm. And he knows that because he he has to be their guy now. They didn't go sign anyone else. So yeah, like like I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Look, I know they're in unless the Bahamas. they think Hearns is that guy. I guess. I mean, I know they're in the Bahamas hanging out with Jimmy Buffett, the, the Jones family, <laughs> and I wish the hell I was in the Bahamas hanging out with Jimmy Buffett too. You know, I mean, I'm the son of a son of a sailor. I mean, I wish I was, but I mean, at some point you gotta like the the. If you're going to be the GM of the team, be the GM of the team, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And another bone I got to pick with, with with Jerry Jones, who I have the utmost respect for. I think to me, this league wouldn't be anywhere where it is today. All it's these, Jerry's world, right? Look, the guy who buys like Jerry Richardson's going to sell this team for two point eight billion. They should thank Jerry Jones for that because mm-hmm. all this escalation is because of his ability to market and sell, and the value of these franchises, which is the most fascinating thing that never gets talked about in terms of the cap and in terms of players players wanting more money if you bought Jeffrey Lurie bought the Philadelphia Eagles for 225 million dollars and let's just say he could sell that team for 3 billion today where Robert Kraft paid 164 and he could sell it for 3.5 that equity that value that he built up in that franchise the players really have a lot to do with that Belichick has a tremendous amount to do with that i mean Kraft could give him $100 million as a going away gift. And, and it, it still wouldn't, you know. It still wouldn't yeah. affect the value of the, fr- we don't talk about the value of these franchises, how the players have increased that. We just talk about how they want to attach their wages to the TV contract. And that discussion is a whole other thing. I mean, yeah, that's great, but what about some of this, the value of your franchise? Mm-hmm. Like if it wasn't for us, you wouldn't have this value. Yeah, it's right? not $3.5 billion if you don't have, you If know, you don't have all these players, mm-hmm. right? And Jerry's added that value. But for Jerry not to put Jimmy Johnson in the ring of honor, is ridiculous. Like to me, that's what's so bad about the league. Like we have these petty fights with people that like personal G- grudges end up affecting professional legacies. Like which Jimmy is never Johnson, a, a belongs in the Hall of Fame. He of belongs course. in the Hall of Fame before a lot of other people that have gotten in there. D- don't get me started on who's in there that don't belong. <laughs> B, B, how is he not in the Hall of? But not only is he not in the Hall of Fame, he's not in the Ring of Honor. Like what more does what more does Jimmy have to do? And some of these guys' careers have been made because of Jimmy. Mm-hmm. And I mean, look I, at his coaching tree. His coaching alone. tree, yeah. what he did personnel-wise, his ability to use utilize the draft, trading down, hell, the whole draft chart, the value of the draft chart. Jimmy was the guy responsible for a lot of that. You know, it's like he understood the value. Just like when you play chess, Tate Frazier, the the, the board has value, spaces of the board. Each, each spot of the board has values. Um, and so, you know, that's how these grandmaster chess players understand. They see, like, pa- the queen four spot has certain value. You know, it's the same thing in trading today. And so I think that, you know, Jerry, Jimmy made that. Jerry didn't do that. Like how he's not in the ring of honor. It's sad. We'll, we'll give put G- him on the, we'll put him on the GM street ring of honor for sure. Absolutely. He's been great on television for the past, you know, 10 years too. So yeah, I mean, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy's a per- football personality. Obviously the, you, he loves football. Yeah, we have he a lot of he stuff loves football. And I, you know, and I'm reading this book, Culture Code, now. Uh, it's about how to establish cultures. And it just reinforces, like what Jerry did by hiring Jimmy, mm-hmm. he gave him a culture. And I think where I think what we're missing in the NFL is these owners want to try to hire coaches like Frank Wright's an offensive coordinator, right? They want to hire the specialist. And I think really so many of these teams desperately need cultures. And the one thing college coaches can give you is culture. 
they can give they bring that all to you right there on a platter. You mentioned Dabo Sweeney is a guy that, Sweeney. that brings culture. Like, I mean, Nick Saban ha- brings culture. Yeah, well, Nick, well, yeah, Nick Urban Meyer brings culture. They bring it all. Mm-hmm. They bring it more than another thing. And I, and I think for Jerry Jim Harbaugh brings culture. For Jerry not to acknowledge that to me is I think wrong. Well, he thinks he he brings the culture himself by being there. He is the celebrity. He is Walt Disney to the Dallas Cowboys, as we know, which is always fun. Uh, quickly, before we get out of here, I want to congratulate you on your 76ers. Um, possibly 16 straight games. Tonight, we tonight, got the Greek freak, right? Uh, it would be the first time in history a team has won 16 this straight going into the playoffs. This would be a game tonight because the, the Milwaukee gives them trouble because the Greek mm-hmm. freak can guard Simmons. And is his first game back? And also Matthew Delvadova is yeah. back tonight for the Bucks. So yeah. this is going to be a great matchup. These are two teams that are up and coming. Probably the two perennial powers in the East for it's years. It's going to be interesting to see what Milwaukee does, especially if they, you know, they've had to change. Jason Kidd's not there. They change of owner. The Jabari chain. will be gone this summer. Yeah, he'll definitely be gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, typical. Uh, anyway, so uh, the. Um, It'll be interesting to see how they match up. It's the, the Sixers, who they play, like they struggle with the Pacers. They, I think Giannis is going to guard Ben. He does. He, he guards him all the time, yeah. and, and, and it makes it very effective. But mm-hmm. I think Ben Simmons, just for the record, is great. He's the rookie of the year. I think he's great. He's a lock. For with the no jump of the year. shot, I think he's great. Yeah, exactly. Just imagine when he learns how to and shoot. And I'm going to go back to yeah. Philly next week. I got a wedding. I got Dominic's baptism on mm. Sunday. I got a wedding. I got Springsteen on Wednesday when I went to do GM Street. This is a nice week of vacation for GM Street. We're going to miss all the listeners, but I will be back with a full report on what's Springsteen like on Broadway? Not that you would care, but I, I would mean, care. I would it, care for the listeners' sake. I want them to know. I, I am very excited to go see Springsteen on Broadway. Probably uh, the height, okay, the, besides Dominic's baptism, which Millie is very excited and I'm very excited for. So <laughs> you can tell it's number one priority there. Maybe yeah. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Uh, this has been another edition of GM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. We will be back in two weeks. 